We would want to welcome each one of you who have made the effort to be here, and as well for those I think are joining us on Zoom as well. This has been, I think, a very meaningful uh, weekend. It's not finished yet, of course. We now have this celebration of worship together. But I do believe as we look uh, back in retrospect in the coming weeks, months, and years as God gives you as a church, this may be one of the very significant moments that you have spent together. So let's start our time together with prayer. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to come together and to worship you as a body, people that you brought from many places in our world, specifically to be here at this moment, in this time of history. And most importantly, Lord, you and your presence is also here with us. And so we ask you, Father, now to lead us. We pray that the Holy Spirit of God would come in such a personal and yet very real manner that each one of us, in whatever way we understand or comprehend in our mind and in our heart, that you would speak to us. Lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's sermon reading is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 17 to 22. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you, are too, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. And then I want to also thank each one of you who has participated in this very significant weekend, I do believe, for us as a, a church, as IPC. And you see around you all of the result of the feedback, where you are going to go through all of this and then kind of collate it, bring it together. And in each of the areas that we've spoken about of why we exist, who are we, or the core values, and where we want to go, future or vision, we will reduce that down to the main concepts which are repeated throughout the feedback and then send that out to you so you can uh, give us uh, feedback back to make certain that we have understood what people have been saying. And then we will tr produce a final both digital and, and hard copy. And that would be something you could use or that we can give on to uh, the leadership of the church and let them use as guidelines and directions, and I think something God will use to um, speak to us again and again as we go through the next months uh, of his direction to us. So thank each one of you who have taken the boldness to speak and to share, and thank each of you who have listened. It's a very important part. Now, in the first three sessions, we went through the concept from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, where Paul describes church as the household of God, 
That's why we exist. And then we talked about the being the pillar or the support of truth. Those are the core values of why we, who we are and uh, what values we use and what we do. And then the church of the living God, how we walk following a living God and so where he is leading us. And that's our vision. Now this morning I want us to go to the other verses that we also had noted for this weekend together in Ephesians chapter 2, which also Paul uses again here this concept of the household of God and being built together as we are members of the household of God. And I want to talk this morning about two different aspects of this, one belonging and two participating. Because belonging automatically means one should participate. I actually do not know if we can deeply belong without participating. And so we want to look at those things together. Let me first think together about with you for the belonging part, which I think we have gone through and has come up repetitively here. But it says, and he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to you who are near. As we even heard in our two testimonies last night, and thank you again, they, I thought were an absolute fitting demonstration of IPC being alive and listening to that last night in the close of our second evening together. And in that, the message of peace from God and having a relationship where the guilt is gone and we belong to God and God is in us that's a very key thing. And that message of peace is the same to each person. Jesus said, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But even as we saw last night in just two testimonies, and if we went around this room and heard everybody's experience with God, each would tell us a different account or a different place in life at which they are. The way that God applies and brings the reality of God into our life is specifically aimed at us as individuals. Ultimately, isn't it beautiful? God speaks our language because God knows us. Not only has he placed us together and determined a will for our lives, but he knows every aspect about us. And so he communicates to us. So he says there, firstly, that this is part of it. But then he goes on and he says, not only do we receive peace, but he says, for through him, that's Jesus, we have access in one spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, to the Father. And being part of the household of God means that the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is involved in our lives. I shared with many of you, like if you go to Romans chapter 8, in the last two years, the thought out of the Bible, which has caused me to worship, to literally weep, and to sense awe, is that word that he intercedes for us. And as I looked that up in the Greek, it turns out that the meaning is the direct opposite or the antonym of to miss the mark, or which is commonly called 
harmatia or sin in Greek. It's the direct opposite. It means hit the mark. Hit the mark. Commonly, bullseye. Hit the mark. And as you go through chapter 8, what it says is, is God, the Holy Spirit, is crying out to us or praying for us, saying, hit the mark. Hit the mark. And if you go down towards the end of chapter 8, it says the Son of God is also interceding for us. Jesus himself saying, hit the mark. Isn't that cool? That God the Father is there, and then Jesus the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, is on. they are on our, your side, so to speak, asking, praying for us, and interceding for us to hit the mark. So the Trinity is involved in us, and we are related to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, then, that's what it means to belong. Now, also in belonging, in the next verse, I believe verse 20, you will find this. It says, built on the foundation of the apostles and the uh, prophets. And so the foundation of our faith, the foundation of whatever we as a church will do, really is built upon this. And what I would say is one of the most common phrases to come back in all of these sheets, if you go around, is the authority of the Bible. That's really key, because that's the foundation. And then he goes on to say even further, he says, and the chief cornerstone, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, we all know the foundation rest. So the cornerstone, is that here, or is that here? That's what Chris does, you see. Is that here, or is that here? <laughs> if you're an old geezer, you get away with a lot of this, you see. You see, in Paul's day, they built with Roman arches. They didn't build the way we do today. Where's the chief cornerstone in a Roman arch? It's right here, isn't it? So you see what they say is, this chief cornerstone and all the stones of the arch lean against it to have support built on the foundation and up to the chief cornerstone. If you pull the chief cornerstone out, what happens? Yes? The struggle with structure is if you take the chief cornerstone out by not acting godly and as Christ, what happens? Yes. And so, we remember that. Now, to make this just a moment more complex, let me read to you how Peter describes something very similar using some of the same terms as Paul does. In 1 Peter chapter 2, there beginning in verse 4, As you have come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Now, <coughs> excuse me. As Peter describes this, he also adds the complexity that you are we are living stones. Because Paul has said we're to be joined together. We are to grow together. And then we are being built together by the Spirit. In every phrase, he uses the concept together. Now, 
Peter then adds to the complexity of saying, just as Jesus is living, so too each of us is a living stone. Um, have you ever worked building a house or something out of bricks? A yeah. lot of nods. And uh, anyway, we have had some experience of that. And it's, you know, it's really the, the, the mower, the person who lays the bricks, it, it's that amount of, of mortar they put between. And if you ever notice how they have this beautiful hammer, I always wanted one of those that had a little curved knot, and if you get a brick and they go tap, 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 and then bing, and it comes apart just perfect like they want it. Can you imagine building a house with living stones? So this was God's doing. And you get stone. Do we have any Fritzes in the house? No, if you do, it's just Dennis's. We get a Dennis. And I have a brother named Stanley. I do, literally. And can you imagine Stanley and Dennis? I don't think I like him. I don't agree theologically in every point with him. Living stones into a house, into a building that God is going to inhabit. Do you get the picture? And he says the first process is he, he builds us, he, he joins us together. If you've ever noticed, bricks sometimes have a little rough edges on them. How do they get smooth? Either God provides the mortar himself in the spirit, or he sometimes causes them to rub, or there's a little until they fit. Has IPC gone through this? Living stones? being fitted together. It's part of the process of growing in Christianity. But he goes even further. And he says, once you are joined together, then you grow together. Not individual stones or bricks or living stones growing. Together the body grows. And that's part of the participation. Part of the participation is this first being joined together and willing to allow God to work. You see, in that joining process, if you pull out the cornerstone, oh my, that's a terrible process. If people do not allow the Spirit of God to lead them. And I would just say here, if you're still struggling with some of the past, Lois and I would love to sit and talk with you. And we would love just to make whatever meeting needs to happen, happen. That nothing is swept under the rug, but everything is faced as we believe God faces things with people together. Because I believe God is great enough to do the miracle of joining us together. And don't go on pushing and saying, I'm a living stone, and I go my... No, let God join us together. I'm not saying that will not be painful, but it will be good, because that's where we go. And then, when that happens, then all of a sudden, the power of God comes even in a greater way, and we grow as a body. We grow as a body. And then, 
We go on to the third aspect where he says, not only that do you grow, but you're being built together. Where then we as a body become aware of the gifting that God has placed in each and every individual life. That some have gifting in worship and music. Others have gifting in teaching. Others have gifting in and, uh, baking really good cakes. <laughs> and they're some of the most needed in the church. <laughs> and others have incredible gifting where they can meet people. And I mean, my wife can remember names so much better than I can. And one of her gifts is she figures out who came from here and who came from there. And every church we've ever been in, she's getting these people together that don't know each other. And, and I just look and I'm thankful. Because, see, I don't have that. And God knew I needed that supplement, that complement, that bringing the wholeness together as we as a couple make. And that's what God does with us as a church, this gift and that gift. In these last days, we have seen gifting, particularly in our younger generation. What was the age limit on that? <laughs> 31. There's the he of these, and there are the those. And if you're those, or you're these. But wasn't that one of the most marvelous things? Wasn't that a marvelous thing? To see the amazing gifting that has developed here. And that speaks of the potential that God has. You see, together we are being built into a house. And what is the purpose? The dwelling place of God. And that's what it's all about. You know, as we go through this and we look at that, well, how do we participate? Be prepared to be fit together. And whatever that takes with grace, with forgiveness, with understanding the other and believing the best, and trusting God. Allow yourself to be built together, or to be joined together. The purpose of then expect God to grow us as a body, and then expect God's presence to, to really establish us together. You see, the most important thing about IPC, and it's here several times, is not that we are friendly, and that is important because family comes up here almost every sheet. And we need to have that. But there are a variety of different things, but the most important, lasting thing of IPC is the presence of God. When some new person comes in, what they should go away with is, I don't know, everything about those guys, those people. But I experience God. Even if they don't know God, they experience something is there. They love me because God loves me. They made space for me because God made space. You see, he says, you're no longer strangers and aliens. This international community, you know what it means to be a stranger. You know what it means to be an alien. I remember one time riding down with one of my Austrian friends, and uh, we were just moving from Vienna to, must have been driving past Wiener Neudorf, because they had a great uh, refugee camp there from the United Nations. And as we drove by in the Autobahn, I started talking about how at that time our mission team had 
Bible studies and reach out and helping people with processing things and told him about the Bible study that happened in the house we were living in and da 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 da. And then all of a sudden he was in, Ja, und die sind wieso, aber wir sind so, und die sind so, and wir sind aber so, and diese haben diesen Problem, and we haben diese. And, and then, see, he was saying, they're like that, but we're like this. And then came the most awkward 30 seconds I have ever lived in my life. <laughs> when all of a sudden, the man realized that there is a we and there is a they sitting together in the car. <laughs> See, I was not Austrian. And we, and they. And then I knew it would be terribly awkward if I said anything. <laughs> and so finally, Gustav was my friend's name. He looked at me and said, well, I know you're a they and I'm a we, but, but we're together, aren't we? <laughs> we understand one another, don't we? You see, it took me years to realize some cultures are really happy when they're shouting at each other. Listen, I always found it a struggle when I found people laughing because I thought, are they laughing at me? And then when I understood the language, I realized, no, it was just a wonderful story. And then there are other cultures where they were weeping. And finally, I had a brother put his arm around me. So I said, oh, Brother Dennis, you have to understand, when we are at our happiest, that's when we weep. You see, you have come and you are strangers and you are aliens. What brings us together and where we belong is the Church of God. But because we come from such different backgrounds, it will probably take us longer and an ever life learning process to understand each other. Not only to understand, but to appreciate that sometimes when they're really happy, they're weeping. When they're really happy, they're laughing. When they're very, very happy, they're strongly expressing themselves. Because we're different. But in our heart and soul, we have the same Savior. And that's what holds us together. And allow the process to be joined together. That's sometimes rough, but it works. Then to be growing together. And finally, to be built together by God. And God then comes and dwells right there. I think that's the future of IPC. So let's just pray and then we're going to have communion together. Father, we thank you as we come that you, Father, love us. And you have reached out, and your word says that you so loved us that you sent your only Son, that all of us who believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And thank you, Jesus, that you came, that whenever the Trinity had that discussion of who will go for us, the Son said, here am I, send me. We thank you. And oh, Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, we thank you that you've come. You live within us. 
you speak, you, you convict, you work in our lives. And we thank you that you, Father, have given gifts, and you, Son, have given gifts, and you, Spirit, have given gifts, that we would be your people and demonstrate the truth that God is alive in 2022. And now we ask you to take each one of these gifts and each one of us as living stones and build us into that temple, that place of dwelling, that place where God lives. And we worship you. And so we commit ourselves to you now. And we ask that you not allow these things you've taught us this week to dissipate somewhere, but that you establish them within our hearts, our minds, and within us as a church, fellowship, body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are going to now go direct into um, a time of communion together. And what we will do is we are going to have four different stations. There will be one up here near the music and then one over here with bread and the cup. One here, one there, one back further and another back. So there will be four total. And we're going to just ask you to get up from where you are and as orderly as you can then make your way to them and then if you would partake take the bread and take the cup right there and do that so don't take it back to your seat but rather take it right there and to find that and we will then process through that as quickly as we can so there'll be four groupings one here one here one there and one further back okay and then you come and you partake and then return. So that's kind of what we're going to do. And there is, okay, two other things that those who remember better than I just reminded me of. One is there will be, there's gluten-free available if one needs that, that'll be up here. And those who are unable or find it difficult to come forward, uh, there will be someone who will go from will come to you, okay? So if in any way we don't find you or miss you, don't be ashamed to just put your hand up and someone will come to you, okay? So let me... Let me just take this and remind us then of what we are celebrating today. Because it said on the night that he was betrayed, then they had the Passover feast together. And this was one of the amazing moments. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. This was one of the amazing, this is, a, this is gifting, you see. <laughs> no, you laugh, I don't. I would have never thought of jumping up and helping someone. That's gifting, it's different heart. And that's what the body works, you see. Now, Jesus, it was the most amazing moment in church history because you had the Lamb of God, the eternal Passover Lamb, 
who took the bread during the Passover feast and he broke it apart. And then he took it, it says, and he broke the pieces of the bread and he gave it to them. And he said, eat, this is my body. The very one who in the next hours was going to offer his life as a sacrifice for us, the very eternal Passover lamb of God, celebrated Passover with his disciples. And he said before he started, I eagerly, eagerly want to eat this with you. And then said something like, and the next time we do it, eternity. Now they didn't understand. We understand better what he meant. But so he took the bread and he broke it. Why it's broken is because he was the substitute for us. The God the Father, it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, that he nailed to the cross everything that stood between us personally and him. Literally that day, the body of Jesus was nailed. But God the Father put everything on him that you and I could be free to ask for forgiveness. And so he took that bread and then they ate. And after the cup, excuse me, after the meal, he took the cup and it says he poured out. This was actually the cup which they called the cup of redemption. And he said to them, this is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant, I will be your God, you will be my people. And I will put my law in your mind, I will write it on your heart, and all will know me because I will teach them. And then the incredible phrase that ends, and I will remember your sin no more. You notice on that, that is an all I will covenant. It's not dependent on us, it's dependent on him. And so he took that blood and he signed it with, as if signing the covenant into actuality with his life. And then he went on and said, as often as you celebrate this, you commemorate his death. We are saying that we believe he died personally for me and we're declaring that as we partake of this and that we believe he's coming again. Isn't that the great things? And so that's what we're doing as we celebrate this. And Jesus, in doing this, has left this for us as a reminder of what he did on the cross and his resurrection and the fact that it's not over yet. He's coming back. So I'm going to pray. And then what we'll do, you take time. There'll be the four sessions or four places for you to come. And then as you take time to just bow in your head and hearts, if you read that section in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll find there, Paul then goes on and says, but that's not, be careful and examine yourself before you partake. Because this is the moment, he says, it's not the time to stay away, but it's a time as you allow God's Holy Spirit to examine your heart. If there's anything there that's not right, allow God to fix it, change it, forgive it, and then come and partake. Okay? Father, we thank you again for these symbols which represent to us this amazing truth that Jesus died for us, that he was the substitute and that the substitute was God in the person of Jesus offering himself in our place. And through that, Lord, as we come believing that you have died and risen from the dead, 
and we repent and ask your forgiveness. You have committed yourself, for you've said, if, as we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. And we take that with faith. And believing that, we celebrate this together today as churches around this world celebrate the same. We thank you that you are coming again. In Jesus' name, amen.